go rebuild my church, which as you can see, is falling into ruins. These are the words spoken to St. Francis of Assisi from an image of Christ on the crucifix at San Damiano in 1205 AD. These same words inspired Peter Doan, the host of the program you're about to hear. Peter challenges all of us to rebuild, not the brick and mortars of our church buildings, but our personal faith and relationships that will rebuild and strengthen the church. Now here's today's program. Hi, I'm Peter Doan. And I'm Leslie Doan. And you're listening to the radio broadcast, Go Rebuild My Church. In this broadcast, we explore ways to put into practice the words spoken to St. Francis of Assisi by our Lord Jesus and how this theme is relevant as we seek to bring renewal to the church today. Our passion for renewal was ignited when we came home to the Catholic Church 14 years ago, and that's when we heard the call to rebuild and joined efforts with many other renewal movements within the church. Now, you can learn more about our journey home and our lay apostolate dedicated to renewal in the Catholic Church by visiting our website at www.catholicdiscipleshipministries.org. Our prayer, through the, our prayer is through the ministry of this radio program and our lay apostolate. We can provide pathways for you to join the rebuilding process and experience renewal. We want to welcome those listeners who are joining us for the first time today. In our broadcast, we look at the sacred scripture, excerpts from the catechism, the lives of the saints, and the teaching of the church as we seek to challenge individuals, families, and local parishes to rebuild and renew the Catholic faith here in America. And recently, we concluded a series of broadcasts called Rebuilding Discipleship in the Catholic Parish, and we studied this ancient structure, and we believe that now more than ever in our 21st century, the call to become disciples has never been more needed. And to help in the process of equipping us to become disciples, Peter developed what he refers to as the seven pillars of a Catholic discipleship. And Peter, I think it would be great if you could recap these seven pillars for our listeners. Amen, Leslie. Yes, I've always believed the saying, if one fails to plan, then one plans to fail. And in order to make discipleship happen in the life of a Catholic believer, we must plan for it. In other words, discipleship doesn't just happen through the process of osmosis. So having the end game or the goal in mind will force us to build plans to reach that goal. Now, here are the seven pillars that must be in the life, I believe, of all of us as Catholic believers. And I think, Peter, they're kind of like a roadmap for us as individuals to really become his disciples. Yeah, and, and I think that they're lifetime goals as well. So first of all, encounter Jesus is the first pillar that leads to conversion and a personal relationship with him. Now, for this to happen, we must become focused on the kerygma that Catholics are talking about very much now in our RCI groups, our religious education, homilies, and also adult formation. Well, we ended our series last week with a wonderful interview uh, with Sherry Waddell, and she is a best-selling author of Forming Intentional Disciples and also the executive director of the Catherine of Siena Institute, and she encouraged us not to take this for granted. She pointed out that um, our present leaders and staff need to be able to express and demonstrate a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and then lead others into that relationship. Yes, 
Number two, the second pillar is study and learn sacred scripture. Well, we spent a little time with St. Augustine and his story of conversion, which happened as a result of scripture. And it really reminds us how powerful scripture is, and it can truly transform us. Yes, it's interesting that Jesus would use this phrase in order for the scripture to be fulfilled. Now, 41 times this phrase was found in the New Testament. We're all called to become deep in scripture. The third pillar is to develop a life of prayer. In the Sermon on the Mount, we know Jesus called us to become a people of prayer. And it's through prayer that we develop our personal relationship with Jesus and make it grow. In fact, the whole fourth part of the catechism, Leslie, as we know, out of four parts, this part is all about prayer. And of course, the lives of the saints who are examples of disciples for us have this common thread. They devoted their lives to prayer. They took seriously Paul's admonition to pray without ceasing. Yes. The fourth pillar is regularly receive the sacraments of penance and Eucharist. These two sacraments will cause us to grow in that powerful gift of God that we call sanctifying grace. Yes, and we learn that sanctifying grace helps to set us apart as disciples to God. It helps us to make to make us holy, perfect us, and heal our souls. And it's the very life of God in us as his people. Now remember, St. Paul in 1 Corinthians 11 teaches us that these two sacraments are like a hand and a glove for the believer. They do and must function together. And they're a source of sanctifying grace. Yes. Fifthly, the fifth pillar is discover, develop, and deploy spiritual gifts. We've talked about that Scripture teaches us that each of us, you and me, have received spiritual gifts called charisms at our baptism slash confirmation. They're given to us not for our own benefit, but rather to build up the body of Christ. And these gifts we've talked about are like exercising muscles. The more you use them, the stronger and more effective they become. And you, if you want to learn more about how to discover your charisms, our home parish, Our Lady of Mount Carmel, has a wonderful tool called a gifts assessment. So just go to olmc1.org, click on Ministries tab, and there you will see it, the gifts assessment. Amen. The sixth pillar is to conduct spiritual warfare. What do I mean by that? Each one of us, as part of the church militant, are called to wage war against our three enemies that are outlined in Scripture, the world, the flesh, and the devil. There are no demilitarized zones for a Catholic disciple. Passivity will only breed defeat, Leslie. I know, and the Scripture teaches us, Peter, that we can't be ignorant of the devil's schemes. So there's no clergy or lady that are exempt from this pillar because it's a regular part of our daily life. The seventh and final pillar that we talked about was go and share your faith. This is kind of the capstone of discipleship, Leslie. I love what we shared out of the catechism, this simple phrase that teaches each of us to be on the lookout. And we talked about how being on the lookout means that every day we are praying and open to the Lord to walk through a door that he would open to us to have an opportunity to share our faith, to water seeds, or to share seeds in someone's life for the first time. That's right. In the early church, each person saw themselves as an evangelizer. It was not just a select group or the clergy. That's right. 
So now finally, as we look towards uh, summing up, Leslie, we are going to also prepare for our new series that's coming, and we're calling it Rebuilding a Missional Church. In order to be on mission, we must first of all be formed as disciples, and that's why this discipleship comes before mission. And I thought about this, that Jesus, of course, built his disciples first, and then in Matthew 28, he told them to go and make other disciples themselves. Well, why is this important to become a missional church, Peter? Well, there's evidence that the church in the West needs to become missional, and I came across this survey recently that I'll briefly mention was about the church in Italy. And in the latest edition of a Catholic magazine called The Helm, it features a frayed rosary against the backdrop of an Italian flag. And the headline said, Italians of Little Faith. It goes on to say, Leslie, that among the Italian population, only 13.8% of Italy's 59 million people attend Mass anymore. And two-thirds of those Mass scores said they do not go to confession at least once a year. And the whole theme of the article was that there is a loss of Catholicism in Italy itself, which is the heart of our faith. That, you know, remember, that's where Peter was crucified upside down and Paul lost his head, and that started that Roman church to become that special place. Well, we're going to take a short break now, and when we return, we will today introduce our new series, Rebuilding a Missional Church. I'm so excited. We'll lay the groundwork that demonstrates that this is not an option, but rather the call upon our generation of Catholic disciples here in the West. So please stay with us. You're listening to Go Rebuild My Church. This program is underwritten in part by Willie and Deborah Wood, in memory of their parents, Woody and Joyce Wood, and Bill and Elsie Brooks. Catholic Radio Indy thanks the Wood family for their support. At Catholic Radio, we love to hear from you. Call us anytime. Just recently, we found this message on our voicemail. I'm a non-Catholic that listens to your Catholic radio station, and I just wanted to thank you guys. I listen to uh, Catholic Answers and Al Crestus sometimes, and I think her name's Teresa Tommy. I listen to her and uh, another show or two. I appreciate it. Call us at 317-870-8400 and let us know what you're thinking. I just called to say, you know, I'm not a Catholic. I listen to your station. Whatever's going on, it gets me back on track. It reminds me that no matter what happens during the day, God's got it. Catholic Radio Indy. Welcome back to our radio program, Go Rebuild My Church, and today we are initiating a new series, Rebuilding a Missional Church. In our last segment, we gave a recent report on the state of the Catholic faith in Italy, and we shared this as it represents an ultimate wake-up call for all of us. But rather than seeing this as a discouragement and a defeat, our new series will show that this can be the beginning for us to rediscover our mission roots and the foundations that make our Catholic Church the church that was founded by Jesus Christ. So Peter, you and I believe that Pope Benedict XVI actually prophesied about these days that we're living in now. So talk to us about that. This is pretty interesting. Yes, Leslie, the well-known Catholic organization, Alicia, highlighted an article entitled, When Father Joseph Ratzinger Predicted the Future of the Church. Way before becoming Pope or even a prelate, Ratzinger laid out in 1969 a broadcast on German radio for all to hear. 
He didn't pretend he could tell the future at that time. No, he was even too wise for that, of course. And as a matter of fact, he tempered his initial remarks by this disclaimer when he said, let us therefore be cautious in our prognostications. When St. Augustine said it is still true, man is an abyss. What will rise out of these depths, no one can see in advance. That was an interesting quote. But Peter, with that disclaimer, the future Pope went on to say some pretty amazing things that were very prophetic. And it's interesting to note that what he said is now being reflected in the state of the church, in particular in the West. So could you share with us some of those insights? Yes, Leslie. He begins the interview by saying this, the future of the church, once again, as always, will be reshaped by saints. By men and women, that is, whose minds probe deeper into the slogans of the day and who see more than others who see because their lives embrace a wide reality. And that's a challenge to all of us. And that's a wonderful insight that every time the church has been in crisis for 2,000 years, God's solution has always been raise up saints. During the crisis of the church throughout history, he's always done this. He goes on to say, that is Father Ratzinger at this point, in the future of the church, the kerygma, the announcement of Jesus Christ, who he is, and what he's done for us, will take center stage. Again. <laughs> in fact, in this vein, he tells us also the kind of priests that will play a key role in the church's future. I thought that was really interesting. This is what he said. The kind of priest who is no more than a social worker can be replaced by a psychotherapist and other specialists. But the priest who is no specialist, who does not stand on the sidelines watching the game, giving official advice, but in the name of God, I love this, places himself at the disposal of man, who is beside them in their sorrows, in their joys, and in their hope and fear, such a priest will certainly be needed in the future. That's wonderful. I know. That's a beautiful picture that the Pope was speaking about, of a priest that's very pastoral, giving his energy to care for the flock, his people. And he's not just calling us to be missional, but he was also calling the priests in our churches to be missional. Yeah, amen to that. So uh, Benedict went on to describe the church of tomorrow, which has gone through a deep pruning and has lost much, but will find her essence afresh. He said, let us go a step further. From the crisis of today, the church of tomorrow will emerge. A church, interesting, he says, that has lost much. She will become small and will have to start afresh more or less from the beginning. And that's interesting, Leslie, because we're going to talk about what things were like in the beginning when the early church was missional. He said she will no longer be able to inhabit many of the edifices she built in her prosperity. That's, that is really insightful because there are many comments about how the magnificent cathedrals in Europe are now museums and they're not places of worship anymore. Yes, Pope Francis has even alluded to that himself. Mm -hmm. So he said as the number of adherents diminishes, and of course we've talked about that here, especially in the Western Church and here in America, he said so it will lose many of her social privileges. That's interesting. Yeah, I thought that was interesting too because recently the FBI identified traditional Catholics as a radical group and, and said that they actually posed a threat. And that was really, uh, uh, what would you say, very amazing statement. Everybody was amazed by that. We couldn't believe it. 
1969, uh, Father Ratzinger went on and continued, and he said this, in contrast to an earlier age, it will be seen much more as a voluntary society, that is the church, entered only by a free decision. As a small society, it will take much bigger demands on the initiative of her individual members. And that, to me, Leslie, is implicit that the laity will be called forth in a whole new dimension. Undoubtedly, it will discover new forms of ministry. He said in many smaller congregations or in self-contained social groups, pastoral care will normally be provided in this fashion. And I think he's alluding to what we've talked about here on this program about how small groups can really help people touch a pastoral dimension in the parish that uh, sometimes helps the pastor along those lines. He said, alongside of this, the full-time ministry of the priesthood will be indispensable as formerly, but in all of the changes in which one might guess, the church will find her essence afresh and with full conviction in that which was always at the center. And then he goes back to the kerygma, Leslie, faith in the triune God, in Jesus Christ, the Son of God made man in the presence of the Spirit until the end of the world. The thing I love about him, Leslie, as he paints a, f a future that's a little bit frightening, he also brings us the hope and the deliverance and the ultimate uh, victory of our Lord Jesus right. Christ. And he finishes by saying, in faith and prayer, she will again recognize the sacraments as the worship of God and not as a subject for liturgical scholarship. And we thought that was very interesting. What does that remind us of, In light Leslie? of next year's focus on the Eucharistic revival. And that whole focus is on strengthening our worship of the Lord in the Eucharist. You know, and we were looking at uh, the website on the Eucharistic revival, Leslie, and it's very interesting that we discussed that the whole idea of Eucharistic revival and Eucharistic worship is being tied into the call to be on mission and how these two things are joined together for the church of the future. Okay, listeners, well, please stay with us now as we take another short break. And when we return, we will continue to introduce our new series, Rebuilding a Missional Church. We will look at the final thoughts from Joseph Ratzinger as he outlines the church and its future. So please stay with us. You're listening to Go Rebuild My Church. This program is underwritten in part by Willie and Deborah Wood in memory of their parents, Woody and Joyce Wood, and Bill and Elsie Brooks. Catholic Radio Indy thanks the Wood family for their support. Do you like game shows? How about trivia? You're listening to Catholic Radio, so I assume you're interested in the Catholic Church. Catholic Challenge 2.0 is the newest addition to our programming lineup here on Catholic Radio Indy. A 30-minute quiz show covering almost everything Catholic. Catholic Challenge 2.0 tests your knowledge and teaches at the same time. Check it out every Thursday afternoon at 4.30 right here on Catholic Radio Indy. Covering life from a position of good news. Share the joy. Listen for updates. Discover life. Catholic Radio Indy. Welcome back to today's broadcast. We're beginning a new series of broadcasts called Rebuilding a Missional Church. And we are learning today that Pope 
Benedict was quite prophetic before he was Pope. He outlined for us what our Catholic Church is now facing and the hope that lies ahead. In our last segment, we learned that Benedict, then Joseph Ratzinger, in a German broadcast in 1969, predicted that the church would go through a period of losing many of her members and become smaller. However, in this pruning, the church will find her essence afresh in our faith, in the triune God, in prayer and the sacraments. So, Peter, how did he end this prophetic insight that we're discussing today? Right. So I, I suspect that the future pope was already greatly disturbed by what he was seeing that was happening early in the German church, Leslie. Yes, I think he saw it around him where he lived right. and worked. However, he did not end there. He ended on a note of hope, as I mentioned in the last segment, and faith that the church would rise triumphant once again. Now, these last quotes are what I would call his grand finale in this prophetic uh, word that he gave in 1969. He goes on to say, The church will be more spiritual not presuming upon a political mandate, flirting as little with the left or as with the right. It will be hard going for the church, for the process of crystallization and clarification will cast her much valuable energy. He said it will make her poor and cause her to become the church of the meek. He goes on to say that a process of sifting will take place, and once that is passed, a great power will flow from a more spiritualized and simplified church. And when I read that, Leslie, I thought about the beginnings of the church in Acts chapter 2 when Peter gave his Pentecost sermon and 3,000 came in that day. And the picture and the painting of the church is just what Benedict is saying here, that there was great power that was flowing from a more spiritualized and also a simplified church. Remember, the church was pictured as very simple in that they came together to constantly devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer, and that at the end of that chapter, it says God was adding to them daily those who were being saved. Simple but powerful. Right. It was Benedict's belief that this renewed church would now be ready to be a church on mission, and we would be ready to share the good news of the gospel and reach the lost. Yes, he went on to talk about that much more detail, saying, men in a totally planned world will find themselves unspeakably lonely. You said this in 1969. What about that word lonely that's well, been going on lately? I know. It was so interesting to me that he also commented on that because recently the Surgeon General issued a report on the epidemic of loneliness in our current culture. And they're saying that it it not only causes problems emotionally, but even things like diabetes and heart disease, etc. Yes, we had a whole uh, broadcast that we covered on the epidemic of loneliness and the church as the antidote for that. Yes. So after mentioning this loneliness, he went on to say, if they have completely lost sight of God, they will feel the whole horror of their poverty. Then they will discover the little flock of believers as something wholly new. They will discover it as a hope that is meant for them, an answer for which have always been searching in secret. Now, there's a lot of hope and excitement in that for me. Well, we can see that Benedict prophesied that the church would face hard times. And of course, we are experiencing this in our own time. And yes, we're seeing. We are. 
We're seeing reports about the upheaval in the church as a result of the clergy abuse scandals, and we're seeing the ongoing decline in church attendance, participation in the sacraments, and belief in the true presence of Christ in the Eucharist is being tested. However, Benedict was confident that the church would come out stronger, wasn't he? Yes, he was. The future pope was full of faith that the church would ultimately fulfill its call to be the body of Christ. And I pray that God can help all of us think that way as well as we go through these waters. In the scripture, the church is never referred to as a building or an institution, but rather as a people who follow Jesus Christ and represent these truths in the world. And now, Leslie, the final thought that we see in Father Ratzinger in 1969 is this. He said, and it it seems certain to me that the church is facing very hard times. The real crisis has scarcely begun. Yeah, that was in 1969 he said that. Right. We will have to count on terrific upheavals, but I'm equally certain about what will remain at the end. Not the church of the political cult, which is dead already, but the church of faith. It may well no longer be the dominant social power to the extent that she was until recently, but this last line, Leslie, but it will enjoy a fresh blossoming and even seen as man's home where we will find life and hope beyond death. Oh, isn't that beautiful? Mm -hmm. That gives us all increasing hope and faith in the future. That's right. Now, in the weeks ahead, Peter and I are going to explore and develop how to become a missional church. This should get us all excited. And Sherry Waddell that I mentioned, who was our special guest um, in our program last week, she actually alluded to this time that we're in now. And she spoke about how there are many people, Christians, non-Christians, and non-practicing Catholics who've had a passive institutional faith, but they're now at the threshold of faith, and they're open to having a real relationship with a personal God. Maybe that's a result of some of that epidemic of loneliness. Right. And we need, as Benedict said, to help the church be seen as man's home and become more missionary-minded so we can bring these people in. Yes, and a key from last week, too, is that Sherry emphasized that to become missional or mission-minded, it all starts with prayer intercessory prayer and she called us to engage in contemplative and intercessory prayer so that we both continue to grow in our lived relationship with god and then simultaneously begin to change soften and enlighten the spiritual climate of the community in which the lord has placed us to which god is calling us and that calls all of us to this leslie Okay, Peter, so let's begin our journey with prayer right now, like Sherry said. That's a good idea. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we commit ourselves to you. We thank you for the words that Pope Benedict, back in 1969, shared almost prophetically, in fact, prophetically, as he looked to the church, that seemingly we now are living in. We ask that you would guide each one of us as individuals, as families and parishes for the days, months, and years ahead, and allow us, Lord, to be transformed in all that we need to be so that we can become the church that you've called us to be. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much, listeners, for joining us today as we seek to connect you as individuals 
your families, and your parishes to the rebuilding and renewal of the Catholic faith here in America. And make sure to become a regular listener of Catholic Radio Indy. Goodbye for now, and keep keep the the faith. faith. You've been listening to Go Rebuild My Church with Peter Doan. Podcasts of this program are available at www.catholicradioindy.org. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy. Did you miss something in this show or just want to hear it again? Podcasts of this and all our other great local programs are available 24-7 at catholicradioindy.org.